Welcome to the Coeur Adventist Podcast. Created, produced, and directed by the members of the Coeur Seventh-day Adventist Church. To connect. To grow. To grow. To worship. To reflect Jesus. Let's discover what we can do. Together. 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 Welcome to Interviews, where we take the time to get to know individuals in our faith community a little better. My name is R.J. Henneberg, and we thought we'd start Episode 1 with someone who is well-known, or at least familiar, to most in our church. Today, we are talking with Greg Clark, who is our head elder, he's a husband, a father, an all-around great guy. I know Greg has been an inspiration to me for a long time for his involvement and how much he does for our church. So let's get to know Greg a little better. So Greg, tell me about yourself, your history, where'd you grow up, your family, all that, all that great stuff. Well, uh, I grew up in Sacramento, California. My parents still live there, same house for 53 years. I think they've been in the same house now. And uh, I've got, a, got an older sister and she's still in Sacramento too. Um, Lived there for almost 40 years, so I spent a lot of time in Sacramento. Whoa. What, uh, what made the move to Coeur d'Alene? Well, it was after Sherry and I had kids. You know, we've got two daughters, Cameron and Riley. And uh, after they were both born, we were going to church in Sacramento. And kind of at a point where Sacramento was getting smoggier, more crowded, more traffic, uh, you just see more and more crime. You know, had to be very careful where you went, what you did, and if you're out at night. Um, so we just wanted to move to someplace quieter, smaller. And I've always been an outdoors person, so uh, places like this made yeah. it high on my list. Yeah. So let's back up just a little bit. Tell me, um, tell me about how you grew up. Like, what? Uh, where'd you go to school? What was family life like? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, my I mean, my dad was a teacher. Um, my uh, mom was a librarian, but she, she uh, didn't work after we were, the kids were born until I think I was in high school and she went back to work. So she was home all the time. And uh, I went to, actually, I got kicked out of a couple of schools. Uh, I went to a Montessori elementary school where I got in trouble several times. I started early. Um, and then uh, they sent me to the local uh, Detterding Elementary School, you know, the down the street from our house. And I got kicked out of one teacher's class. Then I finally got kicked out of school in second grade. Uh, so there. this is a public school? That, that was you a got public kicked? school. Do you, so, mind, do you mind me prying in there? Like how, uh, how'd you get kicked out? Like, well, was it I, I, you know, oh, I, funny prank stuff or were you like, I guess the two common criminal. factors <laughs> and they're really part of the same, same, uh, root cause was, uh, I've never been, or at least at that age, maybe I'm a little bit better now, uh, about knowing when not to say what I think. Uh, so I got in a lot of fights and at that age I didn't really start physical fights, but I would say things to people that would start physical fights. <laughs> and I was not, I guess I wasn't being honest. I probably wasn't respectful enough of teachers, uh, yeah. not in, with intent to be rude or, or mean spirited, but just because I would say what I think. And if I didn't agree with them, I didn't have a problem saying so. And, and uh, especially back in the sixties, early, I guess that'd be early seventies. Um, teachers didn't really take well to students telling them how to run the classroom. They probably don't now either, but <laughs> so uh, I, I just didn't seem to know when. Uh, so then my parents started looking around for a school that maybe was a little bit more interactive, uh, you know, where there was a little bit um, 
<laughs> maybe a little more patience. And so they end, I ended up going to a, a Waldorf school. I don't know if you've heard of those, but I went to Sacramento Waldorf School uh, for the next... What uh, What is a Waldorf school? Well, it's... Uh, there's a guy named Rudolf Steiner, kind of a long story, but uh, briefly uh, in, in Germany in World War II, I believe, he started the school system, uh, um, and uh, they're all around the, the world now, I, I believe. The one in Sacramento has been there for, well, quite a few decades now, but uh, among other things, uh, you you do a lot of hands-on stuff. Uh, for instance, you didn't have textbooks. You'd make your own. You'd bind a book at the beginning of a semester. Uh, you'd illustrate it. You'd write all the articles in it, you know, from things you learned, um, and you're graded on creativity, on your handwriting, on pretty much, you know, the content, everything that went in the books. Uh, we did a lot of uh, outdoor stuff, a lot of building projects, a lot of uh, field trips, uh, you know, when we were uh, studying, um, you know, history of uh, the the Western United States. We went and spent a, a weekend on a sailing ship in San Francisco Bay, you know, learning how uh, how life was like on a ship. Uh, I got to work in the galley, or had to work in the galley, um, you know, on a sailing ship in the 1800s. It sounds kind of, of awesome. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, in retrospect, it was really awesome education. At the time, I complained, you know, because it's like it's a weird school and my friends don't go here and that kind of thing. But in retrospect, it was an outstanding education. I, I have to ask... Was this the place where you did Eurythmy, or was that at the... <laughs> yes, Waldorf and Eurythmy go together. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Eurythmy, uh, it's hard to explain. You just have to Google a video, I guess. But it's it's motion, uh, physical motion to sound is probably the, the simplest way to put it. But not music, so it's not uh, dancing. No, when, when we did it, I think they may do it to music too, but it's really not dancing. Uh, when we did it, it was always to poetry. And I don't know if that's always the case, but that was the case when, when I did it. And I didn't do that gracefully either. I got in trouble. In fact, I got kicked out of your rhythm more than once. And music class. And uh, other. I, the, the difference with Waldorf is they were willing to work with me and until I got old enough to the point where I was able to figure out when, a, when was a better time to hold my tongue and, and try to cooperate whether I agreed or not. Okay. And so that was high school age? Uh, I went through freshman year, and then uh, I really complained a lot to my parents and said I'd like to go to a, a, a regular school because it was one of those schools when you get to high school where I think there were six kids in my class my freshman year. By the time you graduate, typically there'd be three or four. Back then, I think they're they're bigger now. Uh, so I wanted to go to a school, a different school. So my parents finally let me go to the local public high school, which is El Camino, and I think we had about 800 in my graduating class. So oh, wow. it was, a, it was a, a massive change for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do after high school then? Uh, you know, I, I didn't have an, a plan other than I didn't want to go to college right away just because, uh, you know, with my challenges uh, getting... I did, had good grades in school. I just was challenged getting along with teachers sometimes. Um, so I didn't want to go to college right away. I figured probably correctly that I wouldn't do well right away. Uh, didn't want to do anything else other than move out of my parents' house. So I moved to San Diego and spent a year surfing and working at a restaurant. Then I joined the Marine Corps because it seemed like something challenging and interesting to do. And uh, after a year of active duty, I, I transitioned to reserve duty and then started thinking about uh, different things. Moved back to Sacramento um, and uh, ultimately met my wife at Sherry. And at some point decided to go back to school. And, and at that point I was ready to go because it was going because I wanted to go and, and I was paying for it. So it was important to get done yeah, uh, efficiently. So, how'd you meet Sherry? <laughs> she always hates it when I say this, but I met her at a bar uh, <laughs> because it's technically true. Uh, we weren't hanging out at bars per se, but my sister worked at an insurance company. Uh, USA was the company, and she worked for my my current father in law. 
uh, and Sherry worked there also, not on the same team, but uh, my sister had a birthday party. And she had met Sherry because Sherry would come and see her dad at work, and my, my sister worked for her dad. And uh, they had this birthday party. Uh, my sister did at this bar in Sacramento. And uh, I showed up because it was my sister's party, and Sherry was invited, so she showed up, and she had a date, but he didn't show up. And everybody said, oh, you nice. guys should get hang out. You'd get along. I think they said that both because we're both tall. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I think that was what somebody told me later. But uh, we decided we had nothing in common and probably wouldn't see each other again. And little by little, though, we kept getting pushed back together in unusual circumstances and finally decided, you know, we actually saw a lot of things more alike and enjoyed spending time together. And short story, a couple of years later, we got married. Oh, cool. So you went, you got married. This is after the Marines. Yep. Okay. And then after you're married, you go back to school. Yeah, I started going to school actually mm. the semester before we got married, but uh, we, we were engaged at that point. And I decided um, it wasn't that I needed to go to school for anything I wanted to do. Uh, at the time, I think I was working, I was managing a uh, janitorial supply company. And I don't remember exactly. I just remember I wanted to do something. I want to have more options. And yeah. be honest, uh, I'm the only person, I think I'm still the only person in my family I know who doesn't have a graduate degree. Uh, you know, just having my, I have a bachelor's uh, degree in management. And everyone else, uh, my sister has a master's in education. My dad does. I have a cousin that's an attorney. All the family have. My grandfather had multiple PhDs, I believe. Um, so there was a little bit of this sense of I'm underperforming if I don't at least go back and get a college degree. And I think that was part of what drove me to do it. Um, so anyway, I started doing that right when we got married and, of course, continued that as we had kids and, and some of those things. How did you manage that with kids? Because it's, <laughs> I mean, it's not the days where, oh, I can do it online when you got your degree, right? Like it was... I finished some classes online okay. and I finished, I, I started at community college uh, and, the, and they had a lot of night classes. So I would work all day and go to school all night and I did that for... Uh, I did some crazy semesters where I tried to take, you know, really heavy loads and realized I, I've got to dial it back. So I started taking usually two classes a semester. So I, I took a little longer. And then I transferred to a four-year school uh, in California that actually, even though it's an old school, they were an early adopter of online classes. And that's why I went there. Because even though I still went to the, the, the campus for most of my classes, uh, I was able to finish uh, with several online classes before I was done. Okay. Nice. And then... Uh... You grew up not in an Adventist family. No. And Sherry was Adventist when you met her? She was. Uh, yeah, I, uh, she was in a... Her parents became Adventist, I think, when she was about sixth grade. They went to uh, some type of a revival or a revelation seminar. I don't remember exactly what. Um, and they they became Adventists. In fact, they then moved to Maryland. Her dad worked for the General Conference for a while. And oh, wow. her mom worked for the Review and Herald. Um, and then they moved back to California and Sherry went off to boarding academy. And at some point, uh, after she came back from boarding academy, uh, they really weren't going to, that's kind of their story, but they weren't really going to church, uh, much anymore. And so Sherry, little by little at that kind of point in your life where you're trying to figure all, figure it all out, uh, after, after school, um, uh, stopped going as well. So when I met her, she had an Adventist background, but wasn't actively going to church. Okay. And so, and you don't have an Adventist background. Not at all. And no. so, like, how did you, how did you make that transition to kind of being involved in church and, and that type of stuff? Well, and that's, and that's, it's interesting because, uh, and I may have said to some before that my, my parents are Marxists. You know, they have a, a whole different worldview than most of us do in the Adventist church. 
uh, and uh, they're very, uh, my dad especially, well, both of them are pretty knowledgeable, I think, about uh, religion and Christianity, but they've never, never uh, been interested in church. And, and again, they're, they have a Marxist philosophy currently. Um, so I kind of grew up with the idea that church was not a great idea. Kind of it was a, it was a, a crutch for the masses, you know, something that people did who uh, needed someone to tell them it was all okay. Uh, so I, I didn't hate churches. In fact, I did a lot of looking and searching uh, over the years, but never really found anything that made sense to me. Um, and I wasn't opposed to church, but neither was I inclined to, to attend a church. So when I met Sherry, uh, I kind of look at it as providential that she was not going to church because if she'd still been going to church every Sabbath and I was in this stage of, yeah, I don't know much about church. I really don't know much about God. I don't really, uh, I don't want to do that. We wouldn't have connected. I mean, it, just, yeah, it would have been yeah. a, a deal breaker, I'm sure, for us. Uh, as it was, uh, once we, we realized we, we appreciate a lot of the same things about life, we, we got married. We had uh, Riley, our oldest daughter. And as she was uh, very young, maybe two or three, we started talking about church. And the first share, well, both of us did, actually. Uh, because we wanted, if nothing else, a community to raise our kids in where we felt there were some different values, I guess, than we saw, you know, up and down the street and in the local community. You know, we, we just, we were hoping we could find a, a group of people that had a little more uh, what we consider traditional values about life and about, uh, I don't know if traditional is the right word, but just just uh, values that we, we shared. And she really wanted to go to an Adventist church. I was kind of thinking that sounded weird. Um, <laughs> And I said as much. I said, well, why don't we just find a church close to home that's a little more kind of mainstream, you know, uh, lo lower profile maybe. Uh, something that's easy where, we, again, we just meet people that we can get along with. Our kids can, you know, meet some friends, have some activities to do. And uh, we, so we did nothing for a while. And then one day we got a flyer for, uh, it was actually a Revelation seminar at a church in Sacramento. And uh, Sherry said, you know, I feel, I kind of feel moved to do this. I feel like God's telling me it's time to go back to church. And I think this, this is just the, the, push I needed to do it. So I told her, I'll come along with you. And you remember what I said about school. I'm not good about keeping my mouth shut. So I said, I'll come along with you and I'll do my best to be respectful. Uh, yeah. By that, I mean, not, not being rude, but just just um, allowing them to say what they're going to say, asking my questions, but not completely challenging everything the first night. And I was semi-successful. Uh, the first night, the the, the evangelist uh, said, if you have questions, you, know, you, you can pick up one of these papers in the back, write it and drop it in the box and we'll answer your questions. So I filled out the whole front and back of the paper uh, with, with a whole bunch of questions uh, that I wanted to see if he'd answer. And he read a bunch of the stuff off my paper the next night. Uh, couldn't answer it all. But I was impressed with his attitude about it. I was impressed with the fact that he would answer my questions by pointing to the Bible, pointing to God, not saying, I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, he had a very... I guess how I felt like it was an open-minded and patient uh, attitude about being willing to explain and be willing to study together rather than saying, let me instruct you. Yeah. And I appreciated that. And that's what kept me going back. And ultimately, I, I was uh, actually very pleased with what we did. Anyway, that's, that's what got me in the door of an Adventist church. And I was baptized uh, sometime later. That's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I guess another question I have, like how... Um... How have you been able to stay so involved? Because, you know, I, I look at um, I look at your history, how you grew up, kind of rebellious in nature, things like that, um, and not wanting to be a part of something. And then you've you've been a part of this denomination for a while, and lots of times it seems what a trend is is okay, people, their kids are getting old, they're leaving home. Well, let's kind of taper off the whole church thing, you know, whereas. I feel like if anything, 
I don't know that you've become more involved because you've always been very involved, but I mean, you're pretty much the only leadership structure we currently have <laughs> since we're looking for a pastor. That's a scary um, way to put it. Yeah, right? Um, so I guess, how do you, how are you able to maintain that? Like, that seems like it's an important value to you. Sure. So I guess I'd answer that two ways because I've thought about that uh, a little bit. And it's uh, probably part of, in fact, it's part of a testimony I've shared uh, with people in a, in a few occasions in the past. Uh, two things. One is, you know, getting in trouble when I was younger, it wasn't because I was necessarily disrespectful. It was because I generally view things as being, I want to be all in or not. I'm either doing this or I'm not doing this. If I'm interested in church and there's value in the church to me, I want to be engaged in it. I want to put effort into it. I want to make it mine, uh, so to speak. Um, not just kind of, well, it's there. I'll go sometimes. I'm either in or I'm not. Um, and the kind of, that's how I was with school, too. And the problem was is being in for me meant voicing my opinion, saying, well, we're doing it wrong. This is the way to do it. You know, we got to do it this way. And, and uh, obviously, when I was younger, I didn't do that. Uh, you can probably imagine I didn't do that as well as I could have. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I've tried to find better ways to channel that. What that means is um, I, would, I, I just try to do things I see that need to be done. And usually I've got an, an opinion about them. I, and it's not so important to me that my opinion is heard as that if something needs to be done, I want to do it. Um, and again, if it's important to me, uh, in this case, going to church, uh, I, I feel that the need to be engaged. The, the day when I stop being engaged, maybe not as much as I am right now, but if I stop being engaged uh, is the day I probably will... will feel that I'm starting to become distant from the church. You know, it may be a slow process, but I, I'm fairly sure that would happen because I have a need to be engaged doing something. Um, and the other part of the answer, I guess, is I've always, when people ask what I do, I mean, I do insurance now, but when people ask what I do, I've always kind of described myself as a jack of all trades. Uh, I've, I've gone through so many sports, so many uh, activities, uh, whether it's uh, musical instruments, whether it's uh, again sports and teams and things like that, and usually get to a level of proficiency where I'm pretty good at it. But then when I realize to get any better, I've got to spend years of the rest of my life doing this one thing. <laughs> and I'm just not that interested in this one thing very often. Yeah. Uh, in fact, never. In fact, I've got uh, uh, totes of stuff out in my shed, you know, of, of, of gear for various kinds of sports and activities. I played competitive darts. I played, you know, competitive <laughs> racquetball. I was a captain of my softball team at one company for a long time. You know, things like that. And just on, but, but on and on and on. I mean, it was a competitive swimmer for a while. There's just all kinds of things I've done. But none of them for more than usually a few years. Sometimes four or five years, uh, maybe six, but probably not. Yeah, Usually, so it's, it's amazing you're still like with the same church and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so that's that's something I've spent done some introspection on over the last several years because it's now been, it's not that long. It's been 21 years since I've been baptized. And for some people around here, that's not very long at all. Um, but I got into church leadership within a couple of years after that because, again, I, if I was going to be involved, I wanted to be involved. And I didn't ask to be. I just began doing what needed to be done. And little by little, got asked to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, so that's the, the, the other part of the answer, I guess, is I have to give uh, considerable and direct credit to God for that because my personality is get pretty good at something, then get bored and move on. Uh, and I've done it just over and over. My family notices this. People that you know have been friends with for a lot of years have noticed mm -hmm. that. And so I get that question sometimes, well, how come you're still involved in the church? Why haven't you moved on yet? This should be something that it would have run its course 15 years ago or more. And uh, the only answer I can come up with is that God has really called me to be engaged uh, with him and with this church. And uh, as long as that's the case, I'll be involved, whether it's doing what I do now or something else. Eventually, it'll probably be something else, but it'll still be involved. I'm pretty, pretty certain of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, one thing that just kind of observing over the last few months, you know, we've kind of we kind of lost both our pastors in a very short period of time. Um, and when there's a void at leadership, boy, you get stuff coming out of the woodwork and, and it's not always pretty. It's, it, it feels like, oh, people are jockeying for this and we're trying to move this agenda and do this type of thing. I know just, you know, before I was kind of talking with you and, and there's so much accusations going around um, that you'd even commented, boy, we were going to try and have some prayer time before a certain meeting, but we couldn't even feel comfortable doing it at the church because the optics where people would see it and be like, oh, well, they're coming in and, and they're doing, you know, they've got some agenda. And that. And, uh, and it's sad that we kind of have to go through that. And I, I guess we aren't feeling it as much now because we're in the middle of the coronavirus stuff and and um if there is any benefit of it boy it really puts things in perspective um but how how have you maintained your sanity over the last few months because um i appreciate how i I felt you haven't been real biased and I, i felt like you've composed yourself very well in something that i view as as trying and where i i feel like i probably would have lost patience a little bit um what What's your uh, what's your secret to success there? I guess you know that's that's kind of an interesting question too because again, if you go back to my childhood, uh, young adult years, nobody who knew me would have ever called me a patient person. Uh, I mean, not at all, not even a little bit. People would have would have said exactly the opposite. I was very impatient. Uh, um, I don't know if impulsive is the right word. Impetuous, maybe I don't know, but but very uh, very impatient. Just just no patience with people that aren't doing things I want to get done. Uh, again, I would all, and that, again, this goes back to the trouble I get in school. I'm just going to do it my way and too bad if you don't like it. Um, so I, I, I guess I give, I don't know how patient I am now, um, but I like people. I really do like people. Uh, people are also very frustrating. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing, I've said it many times, that the greatest asset we have at this church is our people and the greatest challenge we have is our people. And that's the way it is. And I think uh, I, I would imagine that Christ might have felt that way too. You know, as much as he loves his people, you know, that's the, that they have caused him the most pain. Um, and so he sets a good example that way. Um, so I guess, again, a couple of things. One is, um, is really understanding the reason I'm involved. Because if, if I'm going to be all in and engaged in the church, it has to be because I believe in what the church does. Not necessarily what the Coeur d'Alene Seventh-day Adventist Church does on a day-to-day basis or you know, what one ministry does or does not do, but the overall purpose and message of our church. And that message is, is that, that it's all about Jesus. It really is all about Jesus. And if I believe that, and I do, uh, and then I want to act like that, I have to spend a lot of time uh, seeking that, exactly that. And what that's meant for me as uh, things have been challenging, and there, there have been some challenges. There have been some rough bumps in the road that we've had uh, really over the last few years, but particularly in the last few months. Um, and I've, I've found that it's taken uh, a lot more prayer time uh, on my part, and, and which has been a great thing. I actually, I, I, I think this, uh, this challenge and the, the role that I've been playing in this uh, current place where our church is has been one of the most uh, uh, compelling, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, 
motivators, I guess, for my prayer life, my personal prayer life, because every time I've been on my way to a meeting, whether it's with an individual or a group of people or a board meeting or a church business meeting where I felt this could be stressful or this could be difficult, uh, I've had to take some time. Usually I like to go outdoors because that's my thing. That's where I, that's where I unwind and connect with God um, and spend some time, even if it was in the snow in the winter, and spend some time out really spending time in prayer and I'll walk because if I sit still I get I get uh, I'm always restless so if I sit still I start getting antsy I start uh, losing my attention the attention span goes very quickly but if I walk I can I can focus I can think uh, I can prayer pray and that's why I talk to God and my focus has really been about this is your church uh, if I try to manage an outcome whether I think it's the best outcome or not I know I'm going to fail at that because I'm not able to. None of us are able to. We can we can work together and do a lot of good things. But really, if we're not allowing him to lead in the process, it's ultimately not going to be successful. That's, I truly believe that. And so I've spent countless hours, uh, especially in the last few months, in prayer just for that. that for it, but mostly prayer of submission. You know, saying, Lord, take my any pride I have. Uh, you know, I've been fairly good at doing a lot of things in my life. So it's easy to think, oh, I can do this. I can manage this. I have the experience or the skills or something. Uh, and it's just not true. It's 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 really all about his presence. It's all about his spirit. It's all about his counsel. And so I've been praying daily uh, at some points, even uh, here and there during the last few months, hourly uh, prayers of submission to his will. And it's been the most uh, peaceful thing. It's been the most powerful thing, I think, in my life. Yeah. It's interesting watching how people react to adversity there's a lot of people who just, it shuts them down, you know. And there's people who get up and go and, and search God's will and things like that. And they're, and they're very proactive and they are like, we're going to get through this. And it, it, it almost energizes them to an extent. And, and I definitely can see some of that in you where, boy, you, you rise to the occasion, which is a real blessing to all of us, that's for sure. Um... Why'd you choose Coeur d'Alene? I mean, there's a lot of churches, Adventist churches around here mm-hmm. and, and non-Adventist churches, but like what, I guess, what what led you to Coeur d'Alene as your <laughs> place here and, and what has kind of kept you here, I guess? Well, what led us here, first of all, we came to Coeur d'Alene because we decided this was a good place to move. Uh, my wife had some family here, aunt and uncle and some cousins, and we visited back in 2004 before we moved here and thought, this looks like the kind of community that we'd like to live in. Uh, but what we did on, on that, uh, we, Sherry and I came back for a second visit um, a few months later, just the two of us. We first visited with a bunch of her family. And we came back, and what we did is we visited churches and schools. We thought, if we're going to move here, we want to know where we're going to go to church, but first we want to know where our kids are going to go to school. Uh, and we intended them to be in an Adventist school. They were at uh, Sacramento Adventist Academy before we moved. Or Riley was. Cameron just started kindergarten when we moved here. So uh, we came and we, we did, we interviewed uh, teachers and principals. We drove around to schools and asked to talk and talked to them and said, hey, tell us a little about your school and just kind of wanted to get a sense of the, just the spirit and the character and the attitude at the schools. And it's not like there was a lot of them. It was here, it was Spokane Valley, it was uh, uh, not, it was before Palisades, I forget which uh, the school they were in downtown Spokane there. Um, I don't remember now the name of it. Spokane. But, yeah. Something. Avenus. Academy junior. <laughs> okay, like junior that. Academy, maybe, yeah. I don't know. And, and really, we wanted to be here in Coeur d'Alene, and we really liked the people we talked to at the school here at the time, really felt impressed by them. We just, we just 
had felt a good Who's the principal? Uh, it was Twyla Brown at the time. And uh, really liked Twyla. Um, and then we, we attended church here. And we really approached Pastor Lloyd Perrin at the time. Uh, I think Patty gave announcements that day. I remember she was up on the stage and he had prayer announcements or something like that. Um, don't remember much else, but we, we enjoyed the sermon that way day. We liked the people. And so we decided, okay, this is the school we're picking. And the, uh, when we moved here, we enrolled the kids in school. We moved here literally a couple of days before the school year started. We still had a house in California we were making payments on. We'd quit our jobs, didn't have jobs here. Uh, we had a bit of money in savings, but not a lot you know, for, for that kind of transition. So it was really a lot of prayer involved, but we wanted our kids to start a new school year on day one. So we moved up here, put them in the school, and thought this is probably where we're going to go to church. But we visited Hayden, we visited Post Falls, we visited Summit, and uh, those were the main ones uh, that we visited. And we did that for a few months back and forth, just trying to make sure, are we going to the right uh, kind of church? And honestly, we came from a more conservative church in Sacramento. So initially, what seemed like it would be likely is that we might go to Hayden because Hayden felt comfortable in terms of the, the more traditional style of worship. But we just kept finding ourselves pulled back here. One of them undoubtedly, uh, one of the reasons undoubtedly was that this school was so involved, or this church was so involved with the school. Yeah. And the school yeah. our kids were going to go to were going to be important to us. We wanted to be involved in that school. And if the and not that Hayden's not or that Summit was not or anyone else wasn't, but this this church just seemed like they had a very overt connection to the school and were very involved. And obviously the, the physical proximity is there too. Um, and we just, just felt there was a spirit in this church that we really appreciate. We just like people that we met. Uh, so we started coming. And of course, I, I promised I wouldn't wear too many hats here initially because I'd been very busy in the church in Sacramento. And uh, the one thing we were missing here is I wanted to see a Pathfinder club. So we started Pathfinders. And I said, that's all I'm going to do right now, just Pathfinders. <laughs> and it was it, that worked for a couple of years. But little by little, I, we were greeting. We were doing Pathfinders. I ended up getting involved as, a, as an elder after a while, doing some other things. Uh, Sherry's been involved in a few different things, worship coordinating and assistant treasures. And there's been a bunch of other things along the way. So you get to that point where to leave, you would actually have to say, I'm going to quit doing all these things, spend some time visiting and find out why I would go somewhere else. And there's been no way we go to other churches once in a while, especially when we travel, but there's been no reason to want to leave. And, and really bottom line now is this is our family. This is, yeah. this is, I mean, it's that simple. It's not necessarily who was our best friends. It's not, not necessarily, uh, you know, what's the best worship style for us. Those things are important too. They do exist here, but it's really just, this is our family. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, one more philosophical question of sorts. Um, what is your advice for Adventism, I guess? You know, we, uh, we talk about the local church, whatnot. What about on a bigger scale, world church? There's a lot of, a lot of disagreement, mm -hmm. um, whether we actually have the, you know, general conference session and everything this year or not, you know, I don't know, but there's a lot of there's a lot of concerns from a lot of different angles how do we uh, how do we move forward well that's a tough question <laughs> i'll solve world peace and hunger while i'm answering that one too i'm pretty sure <laughs> you know uh it's not a question i haven't thought about though before and I guess the way I would answer it, because I, I certainly can't give an answer that's probably the right one, you know, or the, the best one. Um, kind of a couple of parts to that, too, I guess, uh, but they're related. Uh, the first is, and it, it may sound very trite, it may sound very stereotypical, but one is to, is to trust in Jesus, trust in Christ. Um, 
And that sounds like an easy answer because, of course, it's uh, why wouldn't you say that when you're a Christian? I do believe that. I think that's the right answer. But a little bit about what that looks like to me is, uh, and this kind of goes back to the answer about uh, dealing with our, our challenges in our church right now, is trusting in Jesus before trusting in what I know is true, what my experience has told me, and what I think needs to happen. Uh, because our experience, all of us, our personalities, our egos are made up of all the experiences we've had in our lives. So, and that goes for you and me, it goes for church leadership on any level, it goes for members on any level. So we have fears, we have concerns, we have, uh, you know, uh, prejudices, biases that we may not even recognize sometimes. We all have those. So if we try to use our experience in life and the knowledge we have to solve problems, it's going to be a, a, a it's going to come from that pool of experiences and biases. Um, we're, we're, gonna, we're going to do that. I mean, that is just part of who we are, but it's necessary for us to back up a step and again, submit to God's will, because if we don't, uh, we're, we're going to have different answers to the same questions than people around us. And we do every day. It's obvious. I mean, you talk about the general conference, there's no place it could become more obvious. Um, so something I found when I was in Pathfinders, uh, as a Pathfinder counselor and, and club director, is I came into that, uh, I started doing that in California uh, a little over 20 years ago. And I struggled at first with really feeling like I've got to teach these kids who I know Jesus is. Um, and the, well, the reason I say I struggled with that, because that's not something that is what you do in Pathfinders. It should be what we do in church, period. Um, but the reason I say I struggle with that is I really wanted them, to, I felt they have to understand and live the way I think Jesus is calling us to live. Uh, and as an Adventist, uh, as a new Adventist back then, that, that was very specific for me. It had a lot to do with lifestyle. It had a lot to do with uh, language. It had a lot to do with entertainment, with uh, diet, everything else. And I don't think any of those things are wrong and or, or different now. But what I found over 20 years of working with teenagers and, and younger kids and pathfinders is if I want to have a relationship with them and I'm going to impart anything that's meaningful to those kids, they have to be willing to listen to me first. And they aren't going to listen to me if I'm judgmental. They aren't going to listen to me if I don't meet them uh, just like Jesus did with the woman at the well or any of the other people he met. He met them where they were and said, I, I, I know some things about you because he did uh, more than we do. But, but nonetheless, it was an attitude of I'm here to meet you where you are and talk to you about where you are and, and, and walk with you and, and work with you. And I think our church has to do that. Uh, we have to. It's tough because when we're convicted, if the Holy Spirit's convicted of something and says, you have to do this, this is important in your life, it's hard not to want to make everyone do the same thing because you believe this is what God's called me to do and mm -hmm. I'm failing God and I'm not listening if I don't do that. The challenge is, and, I, and we had a speaker here a while back, I think uh, Jonathan Leonardo said something along the lines of, don't let your uh, conviction become somebody else's obligation. And I think as a church, a local church, a world church, anyone else, we have to, we have to look at an idea like that and say, Jesus is convicting everybody, but it's him that's convicting everybody, not me. And my conviction from him is still tainted by my, my shared experiences, my past, my beliefs, uh, my fears, my failures, my, you know, my pride, whatever else. So if I try to lead or try to make others lead uh, based on what I understand, I think we're going to fail. And so that's, that's, I guess, my advice for the church is, is take a step back and worry a little bit less about what you know Jesus has called us to do and a little more about introducing people to him and letting him call them to do whatever he's calling them to do. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I like that. 
Well, besides the fact that you use an Android and don't like Taco Bell, you seem like a pretty good <laughs> <Or> guy. Haystacks. <laughs> I know. How, haystacks. That's, yeah. That seems impossible, but. Everyone well, has to some faults. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks, RJ. Special thanks to Greg Clark for spending some time and letting us get to know him a little better. For more information about our church, visit cdaadventist.org.